wants not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, let's read it together. One go, maybe we'll read uh, uh, to about verse 10 or so. One go, Paul, an apostle of will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Somebody say to the saints in Ephesus. And faithful in Christ Jesus. Somebody say to the saints in Ephesus. And faithful in Christ Jesus. Alright, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, abide the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, he says, verse 2, let's go, verse 2. Grace to you and peace, our Father what comes from the Lord to you? Grace and peace. Somebody say grace and peace. Grace and peace. When God writes a letter to you, in the letter you will find grace and you will receive peace. When God brings you a message, that message will communicate grace and impart to you peace. Somebody say grace, grace. and peace, peace to you. From if the message really is from the Father, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, two things will come. Grace will come and peace will come. The Bible says that the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, he says, blessed. Somebody say blessed. He said, blessed be God. Blessed is God. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, who has, who has, who will, who will, who may, who may, who has what? Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Say, I am blessed. I'm blessed. Who has cursed us? Oh. Who has placed us as under ancestral curses? Oh. Who bless us? Who has? Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. He says, who has blessed us with Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4. He says, just as he, just as he, before the foundations of the world, that we should be, and without, before him, very important, very, very important, we were chosen. Somebody say, I am chosen. I am chosen. Somebody say, I'm God's, I'm God's choice. I know you don't like me, 
but I like myself. God chose me. God likes me. God loves me. And that settles it. Your opinion doesn't matter. I care very little about it. What matters most to me is the fact that God loves me. Is the fact that God chose me. Praise the Lord. He said, who chose us in him before the foundation of our world? Somebody say before. before. How many of you have heard it and I decided to choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior? No, you didn't. <laughs> Somebody say, I didn't. You responded to his choice of you. He chose you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. Now listen, very important here. Why did he choose you? He chose you that you should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose you. He chose you. Somebody say he chose you. He chose you. He chose you. you. We'll be dealing with these letters again and again. And if I want to stay with this book, we will stay with it the whole year. Amen. That's why I've just called this part introduction because by the time we even looked at chapter one and we tried to explore it a bit, uh, I'm sure that the month would have come and passed. Amen. Amen. Uh, but it's a very powerful book. And what I need you to do to help me in this journey is that I want you to spend your time reading this book. Let this book be your quiet time. You can forget about your devotional for now and focus on this book. It's a very, very significant book. Very, very powerful book. He said he chose us in him before the foundation that, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There are people who say that once you are born again, you are saved, you are secured, and heaven is your place so you can do whatever you want to do. It's true. When you get born again, you are, your heaven is not a prayer point anymore. Amen? Yeah, it's true. Heaven is not a prayer point for somebody who has confessed Christ as his Lord and Savior. Once you say, I believe you, you, uh, you accept him and you confess it with your heart and you believe with your mouth, you are saved. That automatically, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father who had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, who had translated us, delivered us and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He didn't say he would translate you. The moment you get born again, you are translated into the kingdom immediately. Praise the Lord. He gives you eternal life. And that life is irrevocable. But you see, the fact that you have been given that life does not mean you can just do anything that you like to do. There is a purpose for his choosing you. He chose you that before him. Somebody say before him. Uh, he said he chose you before the foundations of that you should be before the foundations of our world, you were chosen, and you were chosen to stand holy and blameless before him in love. What should motivate your holy living is love for God. Somebody say love for God. Yeah. It's not the fear of hell because hell is not your place. If you are talking about living a holy life, it's not because I'm afraid I'll go to hell. I can't go to hell. If I have to go to hell, then Jesus wasted his time going on the cross. He went to the cross. And he went to hell, so I don't have to go there. If you read your Bible very well, you realize that Jesus went to hell. The Bible says when he went to hell, he brought principalities and powers and made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. That's what he did. So he went there. Listen, anytime you think about anything Jesus laid down his life, anything he laid his life down for, you are not supposed to carry it. He became a curse. So, 
you can be blessed. He became poor so that you don't have to celebrate poverty. I'm 65 years in poverty. 66 years in poverty. 40 years in poverty. No, 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 no. That confess that, oh, I mean, poverty is, is normal. It's not normal. For the Christian, it's not normal. He defeated and destroyed the power of sin so you can walk in holiness and in power. Somebody say an amen. amen. He says he chose us in him that we should walk without blame before him in love. Verse 5. Having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus. That's why I like the song you were singing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Somebody say I'm a child of God. Say I'm a child of God. Adoption. At the time Paul was writing this letter, if you were adopted, you were not different from somebody who is uh, born naturally. Everything that a person who was born naturally was entitled to legally, an adopted child under the Roman Empire was entitled to the same. He was not entitled to anything less. According to the good pleasure of his will. Somebody say, according to the good pleasure of his will. (laughs) Now, Paul needed to add that one because, you see, somebody can adopt you, but he's adopting you because he's pitying you. Mm. I'm adopting you because when I look at your plight and your condition, if I don't help you, it's not the same. So, there's really not any reasonable, tangible, apart from the fact that he's pitying you. But when you were adopted by God, he adopted you because it pleases him. He's happy to have you as his child. Please take your seat. He's happy. Somebody say happy. God is happy. Listen, God is happy. May the Lord help you when people, there are some of us, until we feel bad about ourselves. We afflict ourselves. We confess every sin, the ones we have done, the ones we are yet to do, the ones we cannot do. All of those things, until we confess such sins, we don't feel good about ourselves. But listen, you must understand that you are bring pleasure to God. You are a child of the light to God. Jesus didn't do anything. God said that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I have pleasure in you and you have not done anything. Some of us, we only feel we please God when we give tithes. I'm acceptable because I, I do this. You see, in fact, this book, eh, it will help you. You see, there are, there are two kinds of Christians. There are those who, who think that once you are born again, the born again life is a life of do's and don'ts. Yeah, so very legalistic. And there are those who are freestyle. Everything goes. But you see, in the book of Ephesians, what the author helps us to see He helps us to see that one, we are a new people. And as a new people, there is a new way we live. If I want to summarize the book, I can just tell you these two things. It's about one, being a new person. So in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 19 or so. He said, give me Ephesians chapter 4 verse 19. I will just walk through before I come back and finish what I need to. May the Lord help me today. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 18 or 17. I think 17 is fine. 17 is fine. This I therefore testify that you walk no longer as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Go to verse 24. What I'm looking for is in verse 24. Somebody say, I'm a new man. Yeah, that you put on the new man which is created according to Jesus in true holiness, in true righteousness and holiness. Somebody say, I'm a new man. And I live a new life. 
Say, I'm a new man and I live a new life. He does not start by saying that you do new things. He starts by showing you who you are before what you do. Before what you do. It is who you are that influences what you do. When you have a proper understanding of who you are, there are things you won't do. When you understand that you are royalty, there are things you won't do. You know there is a way royals talk and behave and they carry themselves. Royals don't talk by heart. Dignitaries, diplomats, excellencies, they carry themselves with decorum. So in the whole book of Ephesians, in the light of this, he was telling us a lot of things. He said, because you're a new person, there are things that should not be mentioned among you. Things that should not be said among you. Because you're a new person. You're a different person. Now, let's go back to, I don't have the time because, <laughs> let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and then I will just uh, set the tone for it. Paul, somebody say Paul. Paul. Say Paul. Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Somebody say Paul. Today, I want to introduce you to a man called Paul. Somebody say Paul. Now, we cannot get into the book without finding out about the author of the book. This man did a lot of books. And so, we need to appreciate Paul, get to know Paul, and be able to understand where he came from and why he commanded the power and the authority he commanded. There are a lot of... uh, discussions. Scholars have different views about the authorship of the book of Ephesians, but I don't have it any doubt. I don't doubt it even a second. Even in my sleep, I cannot doubt that that was a book that was written by Apostle Paul. Some people say that it must have been written by his protege, somebody he taught and schooled because the person was writing like Paul. But it is very clear from the scriptures that Paul wrote the book by himself. Like the Bible says itself, Paul an apostle. Somebody say Paul an apostle. apostle. Now there are three reasons I believe that Paul wrote it. Number one, because the Bible says so. Somebody say the Bible says so. Yeah, He says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. The book itself. I mean, if you pick my book, the time and opportunity book I wrote, you will see my picture at the back. I think I did something like this. <laughs> you know that style. <laughs> yeah. It's there in some black suit. One of my sons brought to me from London many years ago. I wore that black suit until it wore me out. <laughs> yeah. The scripture says so. Two. Then you come to verse three. For this reason, I pawn. The prisoner of Jesus Christ to you, Gentiles. That is chapter 3. So, clearly stated that, you know, when you read the book of Ephesus, and we'll come to look as part of the introduction, we'll look at the city of Ephesus and the church of Ephesus. Now, you see, Paul wrote to these guys. And these are the people you remember in the book of Revelation. when John was sending the letters to the church. One of the things he told about the Ephesians is the fact that they are no-nonsense Christians. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1 to 2. He said, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things said he, who holds the seven stars in his right and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lamps. I know your works. Somebody say, I know your works. Now he's going to talk about it. I know your works. That. I know your works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. 
And thou hast tried them. We say they are apostles and are not. And hast found them lies. So if that was the attitude and the nature of the church. And Paul said I'm the one who wrote to you. They would tell listen, this letter. You are not the one who wrote it. They could not accept anything. That's one. Number two is because. The opening introduction and salutation is very consistent with most accepted Pauline writings. If you look at the writings of Paul and the introduction of this particular letter, you realize that it's very consistent with most of If you read a particular author's book, you, over time you realize that you begin to see his line of thinking. You are able to tell his theology from his line of thinking, from his write-ups. If you read Kennedy E.A. Games' book, you will come up with a certain philosophy or way of thinking. If you read about the man, Mike Medoc, his material, you will also come up. If you read the Kingdom series by Mars Moreau, you will come out with an excellent Kingdom ministry, theology and philosophy. That's how it is. So these men had a certain mindset and he communicated it and it's, it's across the same. The introduction is the same. Usually he will start with Paul, an apostle, or Paul, Timothy's, and then all the other guys. That, that's how he starts most of his letters. The greeting, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you consistently. So that could not have been, and of course, the testimony of early church fathers. Several church fathers, including people like Ignatius and Polycarp and Clement of Rome, all of such guys agree that the letter must have been written by Paul because it demonstrates the heart of Paul and must be regarded as authentic. But who is this Paul? Somebody say, who is Paul? Yeah, because we need to understand him. Paul, who is Paul? Paul, the whole book begins with one man, Paul. Who is Paul? Now, apart from Christ, it's believed that no other person, no apostle, has impacted the Christian church as much as the apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was such an outstanding, phenomenal Christian that he could literally tell people, follow me as I follow Christ. That tells you that the man had a certain dimension of work with God. Apostle Paul was no ordinary Christian. He was a very deep Christian. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 5, he said, But I suppose I was not with behind the very chief apostles. Now look at that. He's speaking about himself. There were things he said about himself that makes us to see the worth or the kind of person he was. And there were things that they said about him that gives us an idea of who Paul was. He said, I was not behind any of the apostles. In other words, when it comes to the apostles, you can line us on the same platform. I wasn't behind. I was way in front there. I was not. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 11, he said, I have become a fool in boasting. These some people just provoke him and he started boasting. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 to 13, he began boasting. He said, I have become a fool in boasting. Yes, for you have compared me, for I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most, the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Somebody say, I am nothing. <laughs> The man was boasting and he's still saying I'm nothing. Because really that was not what he wanted to do. There are some people when they are speaking, they say, I'm not boasting. No. It means they're about to boast. <laughs> but Paul's own was different. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm boasting. Then don't say it. 
He said, I was not behind. I was not any less than any of the apostles. Then truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and in wonders and mighty deeds. Verse 13, he says, for what is it in you in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 to 10, he says, For though I'm the least of all apostles, when he says, I'm the least, some theologians believe he was referring to the fact that he was the last to be called as, as an apostle. I mean, in that sense, I'm the least. Because in the book of First Corinthians, he was also talking about the fact that uh, he was also last seen by me. And some people uh, uh, believe that one of the signs of an apostle is that you must have seen Jesus Christ. I wonder if most of the modern day people who call themselves apostles have seen him. <laughs> Whether that is a qualification or not, that is a matter of another day. He said, for I am not least, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church who come here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. For I labored more abundantly than they. Yet not I, but the grace of God. Somebody say the grace of God. God. That's Apostle Paul. So Apostle Paul had a phenomenal, unique walk with God. He had many outstanding qualities. One of them is that he was a passionate lover of Christ who enjoyed deep intimacy with God. Somebody say a passionate lover. No, no. You can't read the letters of Paul and not come out with the conclusion that the man loved Christ. He said, for I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ that lived through me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That was Paul. That's a man who was so close, so close, so intimate with God. In the book of Philippians 3, 7 to 10, he said, But what things were counted to me as gain, those are counted by loss. And he said, Yea, I count all things by loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as that, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness but the righteousness which is of faith through Christ Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of it. A man who knew God and yet was never satisfied with his knowledge of God. He knew God and yet his hunger to know him more and better was always on the increasing. May I ask you, how much of God do you know? And are you growing in your hunger to know him? Are you growing in your hunger to know him? That was Paul. He enjoyed intimacy. And that intimacy brought him extraordinary power. Apostle Paul walked in strange dimensions of power. Somebody say power. 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 Two cannot work together except they be agreed. He said, he that walketh with powerful people shall be powerful. So, in his close walk, he experienced unusual power. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, he says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations. Somebody say visions and revelations. Woo! Visions and revelations. He said, when it comes to visions and revelations, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the flesh or by the flesh, but I know that that man was caught up into the third heavens. Third heavens. All your spirituality, have you been caught into the first heavens before? All your boasts of spirituality. But he was caught into the third heavens. He heard unspeakable things. 
What are the things you've been hearing? Unspeakable things that cannot be spoken. Unspeakable things. Unspeakable, amazing things. Caught up into the spirit, into paradise. That's Apostle Paul, man. The Bible says of him in us, he said, God wrote special miracles. Not that he concocted, fabricated. God did it. Somebody say, God did it. Yeah, today people take handkerchiefs and they send it to all manner of places and then they bring it to church also to give to gullible people who are looking for instant solution to problems they use 10 years to create. They want an uh, instant solution. Foolish people. I'm, I'm not referring to you, please. I mean the kind of people who come with that kind of attitude. I respect and value you too much to say that to you. Amen? Amen. Now, that's poor. The Bible said God wrote special miracles. We live in a generation where things God has not done, we say he has done. I'm telling you. God wrote special miracles by the hands of... That's Acts chapter 19 verse 11 to 12. God wrote special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that out of his body, handkerchiefs and aprons were brought. And when they laid them upon the sick, they recovered. And use your power. May the grace of God cause us to walk in that dimension of power. Paul! That is the author of the book we are about to deal with. You need to know the author because, you see, I spent quite a long time just putting this together because I really wanted to just get into a brief introduction of the book of Ephesians and then just get into the meat of it. But while I was staring and debating and going up in my spirit, I just felt that why not spend some time and just do it one time? Because Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the books. And if we come to any other book in future, we wouldn't have to waste a lot of time doing this. That's why I'm doing this. But you need to know him. Somebody say, I'm knowing Paul. Paul was a strategic soul winner and exceptional church planter. Strategic soul winner. Strategic soul winner. Strategic soul winner. Paul will meet you, and while he's talking to you, he's just uh, listening to you, listening to you, listening to you. The moment you give one statement that he has access to, he will jump on it. Then by the time you realize, you will say, ah, the man almost persuaded me to accept Christ. Paul, strategic soul winner. Amazing man. When it comes to church planting, he said, according to the wisdom which is given to me, I as a wise master builder, Paul planted several of the churches. Romans, the book of Romans 15, 18 to 19. He said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said or and done. That's Apostle Paul. I will not, I will not venture. Somebody say, I will not venture. Don't say things God has not done through you. And God used me to do this. And he has never used you. You no, Satan knows, and the person to whom you are using, God no, also knows. <laughs> By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition, listen, to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I will not be building on someone else's foundation. That's Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul will not break down one church to go and start another. He will find fresh ground. Break the ground. Start the church and grow the church. Then he will hand it over. That's Apostle Paul. An amazing man. He was a character. You need to study that character. He was a passionate defender of the gospel of Christ. Paul was a defender of the faith. Somebody say defender of the faith. He was a man who was 
an agape man, a man who walked in genuine love, defender of the faith. Look at that, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. He said, for some indeed preach Christ out of envy and strife, and some also out of goodwill. The one who preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bones, but the order of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Somebody say, I'm a defender of the faith. There are a lot of lessons we can learn from Apostle Paul's life. Just that we didn't have the time, but I'm sure that as the Spirit of God prompts me, you must learn to defend the faith. Somebody say, defend the faith. Defend the faith. This is a generation where people abuse the opportunity and the privileges God gives them to defend the faith. Social media is all over the place. And it's one place a lot of people criticize, insult, and do all kinds of things to the church. Let me tell you something, please. And because you are my church members and children in the Lord, in a certain sense. So, let me tell you this. Listen. Never join at this to paint the church black. No matter how correct their position is. Never join others. And if you really want to talk to the church, find a pastor, talk to the pastor. Don't talk to the church on social media. The social media is too full of too many people who don't know what they're about. They are only looking for reasons not to go to church. Am I communicating here? A lot of people on social media are looking for reasons to criticize and bring down the church. And that reason must not come from you as a child of God. It should not come from you. It should not come from you. Don't discuss pastors whose marriages are failing on social media. Pray for them. Am I communicating here? Don't, don't, don't discuss. Don't discuss it. <laughs> don't di- David said, tell it not in Gath. Least the Philistines. The women of the Philistines hear and they rejoice. Tell it not. There are things you shouldn't say. Do you know that all the harsh things that Paul said, concerning the church and all of those things. It was not for public. It was to the church. The letters were written to the church. So, like on Sunday morning like this, they met, and then the letters were being read to them. That's how it came. They were not reading it on social media for everybody to give comments. He said, I marvel not that you are so soon removed from the faith. Galatians chapter 1. Into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not. Then he says, but even if we or another come to present any other gospel to you other than the gospel which you have preached, let him be accursed. The man was so strong in his defense of the faith. He will not allow anybody to adulterate the gospel of grace. The message of Christ needed to go all out in his raw state. Oh, time will just not allow me to say something about his prolific writings. Apostle Paul was a prolific writer. He wasn't particularly an eloquent speaker, but he was a gifted writer. Listen, sometimes people are so concerned and obsessed with what they don't have instead of focusing on what they have. Paul was not gifted with speech, but he was gifted with writing. When he wrote, even uh, Peter admitted that the guy was writing something. He said, even our brother Paul, according to the wisdom which has given, which the things he has written, some of them are hard to understand. And those who are not rooted in, in Revelation, they struggle to get it. Amazing man. One person wrote more than half of the New Testament. How many books are in the New Testament? How many? How many? Uh-huh. 
How many are there? 27. Out of 27, he wrote 14. One man. One man. One man. An amazing car. A man with endurance and much less spiritual tenacity. Somebody say tenacity. Say tenacity. May you have spiritual tenacity. Some of us, we fail. And this week, we'll start, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Excel service. I told you it's going virtual now. And I'll be teaching on succeeding through failure. That's what I'll be starting with. Succeeding through failure. The reason why many people don't succeed is because they don't understand failure. The place where success begins is a sound and a biblical understanding of failure. Until you have understood failure, you are, no, you are not a candidate for success. The Bible said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he falleth, he shall not be utterly cast down. I say, hey, if my steps are ordered by God, why should I fall? By giants do fall. Somebody say giants do fall. Yeah, giants do fall. And I want you to be a person who understands failure from a scriptural perspective. So that when somebody fails, you will not join him to fail. When somebody fails, you will not condemn him. When somebody fails, you will not jump up and be laughing and, and as if his failure is your success. Because most of the time, a lot of people who have potential for great success, we bury them because when they failed, our attitude towards them was wrong. A man of endurance, thou therefore... He says, endure hardness. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Thou hast no my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, in Lystra. What persecutions I endure, but out of them the Lord delivered me from them all. Do you know a man who suffered? Have you suffered before? You are crying. What I'm going through, what I'm going through. You are going through nothing. <laughs> You are going through nothing. Sometimes you are going through things that you have actually brought yourself to go through them. And some of the things you are going through, they are also not even producing any better outcome. It is not yielding to anyone's benefit in the greater good for eternity. But Paul went through a lot. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 to 28. And he begins to talk about what he went through. Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelite? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool and more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. You know stripes? Lie down. Let us lash your bottles. Paul said, I went through above measure. Somebody say above measure. Yeah, it means if they had a standard measure, he received it too many times. The standard measure for a Roman prisoner was 39. Because they believe that the 40th strife will kill the person. So 39 strikes. And Paul received what Jesus received once and died. He received it five times and survived. Jesus received it once. <laughs> he gave up the ghost. Paul, he was, listen, he was a phenomenal character. He says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 strikes, save one. 40 strikes, save one. It means 39 strikes. The King James and the language is a very interesting one. He said, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered. Now, this is suffering. This is proper suffering. He was suffering for the gospel's sake. When you have to walk through rain and come to church, you have an attitude about it. And you say you are suffering. You don't understand suffering. We are talking about suffering for a good cause. 
For what? For a good and a greater cause. He says, three times I was beaten with rose. Think about iron rose at your back. Three times. Once I was stoned. Have you been stoned before? I remember many years ago, I was a student on campus when we went to uh, Bali, uh, somewhere there to go and preach. I went to preach, and there was this uh, guy who had a problem with his leg, and he was part of our team. So we went to preach, and this guy was super zealous. So he went to preach close to a team. He himself, their team, went to preach close to a mosque. This is Bali. Bali. Went to preach close to a mosque. And the Muslims, just around the time that they do Allah, Wakba, the guy started preaching, preaching, preaching. So, <laughs> they thought the people were there uh, uh, doing their thing. They didn't know they were all out. By the time they realized, they had started uh, rushing with stones. And everybody ran. And the leper couldn't run. His leg, he couldn't run. And these guys, Charlie, <laughs> you see, there are some religions and me. If I was not even a Christian, I couldn't join some things. It looks like some 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 religions just make it it makes you cease to be a human being. Your heart is no longer there. I didn't quite okay. <laughs> <laughs> the way they beat this guy threw stones at him. I think the next three days we couldn't go out again. But Paul said. I was beaten in journeys often. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Night and day have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils. This is Apostle Paul. Somebody say Apostle Paul. So when you read Ephesians and he says, Paul, an apostle, that is the kind of man we are talking about. Apostle Paul was phenomenal because among all, apart from all of these things, he had a great finish. He had what? No apostle finished like the way he did. He finished like the way Christ finished. Jesus said, it is finished. That's apostle Paul. He says that for the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Now it's laid out for me a crown of righteousness. You know, there is not everybody who will finish with a crown waiting on. We will all finish, but not everybody is entitled to a crown. What you do with your life in Christ. And that's what the book of Ephesians helps us to understand. He said we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God ordained before that we should walk in them. So when you are saved and you just say, I'm okay, I'm saved. And there's no good works. There is no crown awaiting you on the other side. Good works. Good works. Good works. Good works. Was Paul born like this? No. Paul was not born like this. Somebody say Paul was not born like this. I just want to talk you through briefly about how it all began. How a man who was a chief persecutor of Christ became a chief preacher of Christ. How did he begin? How did the transition all begin? Apostle Paul, according to the records we have in Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 to 7, was born and his name is originally Saul. Saul is a Hebrew version of Paul. Alright, the man was born 5 AD into the tribe of Benjamin. You know the tribe of Benjamin? That is the same tribe that King Saul, the first king of Israel was born into. And some people believe that Paul must have been named after the first king of Israel. But you see, if you look at their lives, you see a major contrast between the two. 
One who fully obeyed God and one who fully disobeyed God. <laughs> Apostle Paul obeyed God to the letter. In the book of uh, Asap 26 verse 19, he said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That was Paul. He fully obeyed God. Apostle Paul, how was he like? Let me tell you, he didn't have a, a very impressive personality. Those of you who think you are short, you don't like yourself, like yourself all. Apostle Paul, if you are short, you are like Apostle Paul. <laughs> Don't you like all the things I said earlier about him? Yeah. I would rather that be short and have the handkerchiefs from my body healing sick people than be tall and utter foolish things. It's better to marry a man who is short and rich than the man who is tall and broke. A man who is short and responsible than a man who is three times you in height. And yet it's very irresponsible. What I'm saying is that character is more important than content. Content is more important than the container. Apostle Paul was not a very impressive container. But the content, hi, 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 hi. apart from the fact that he didn't have an impressive personality, he also had a, a speech impediment or something. It's believed that he had a speech impediment. He couldn't articulate himself well. That's why I'm telling you, listen, if you want to succeed, you succeed though. Everybody has been given what he needs to succeed in your calling and in your assignment. That's why Easter, you must be here to discover God's call on your life and fulfill it. Everybody has been given what he needs to fulfill his calling and succeed in life. Apostle Paul, it was not height. Whatever you don't have, you don't need. Particularly when it has to do with things God did not give you. God didn't give you fairness like the way uh, 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 Uroku is fair. I mean, why should I worry my head trying to bleach my face? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And I have all kinds of things. It's like that. Every part of my body is fair, except my leg somewhere there. I don't know why they are not able to deal with that part. There are some places where you see, no, you know, this fairness is not natural. Here is one of those places. I bet you see this place? If your color is natural, do this. Let me see here. But Apostle Paul didn't have all of those. Listen, he was short. He didn't care. He couldn't speak. He didn't care. But he could write. Listen, you may not be tall. You may not be fair. But there's something you have. And if you will learn to use what you have, you can change your world for good. He became a world changer and he's still changing the world. The letters he wrote several years ago. Today, I'm communicating from it. And as you are hearing, are you not getting blessed? That's the ministry of Apostle Paul. He's still imparting and changing lives. Sit down and say, I don't have this. Sit down. I wasn't born like this. Sit down and say, you will die like that. Why sit we here and perish? For if I go, we die. If we sit, we die. Amazing God. Scholarship. Somebody say scholarship. scholarship. Apostle Paul was a man of book. In fact, one time, fellas said, this much learning has made you mad. Much learning has made you mad. A lot of Africans don't like to learn. Listen, if you are going to be significant in life, you must learn. You must learn and learn and learn and learn and learn until you can be described as much learning has made you mad. Anything you are going to succeed in, you must be learning constantly in it. Regard the law, he was a Pharisee. A Pharisee knew the law by heart. They knew it by heart. They knew it by heart. Do you know your Bible by heart? Do you know the Bible by heart? 
Paul was schooled in the books of the Torah from age six. That's why he could write and tell Timothy. He says, and from thy child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. From thy child. Because that's how he was brought up. Born into a wealthy family. He started learning the Torah very early from age six. At the age 14, they had sent him to Jerusalem to start his rabbinical studies. Studied under one of the greatest teachers and scholars of all times under the feet of Gamaliel. Apostle Paul was a wild learner. He, le- he spoke several languages. Man, a phenomenal person. This is Apostle Paul. Somebody say Apostle Paul. When it comes to zeal, oh, nobody matched Apostle Paul. Persecuting the church, you have no zeal except for eating. This week we say we are fasting. Again, you see, you have no zeal. You, you, you have only zeal for eating. Your only zeal you have is for gossips. So you can talk and talk and talk about people. Oh, hey. as for gossip, if you are a woman is natural, but a man is abnormal. As for a man, don't be a gossip. Lazy men are gossips. Because men are supposed to work seriously. When you are seriously working, you don't have time to see what other people are doing. Think about what other people are doing and talk about what other people are doing. When you have less time, that's when you do all of these things. Lazy people like to talk about people. I want to tell you something. Have I asked you to tell me something? Do you know what is going on? Have I told you I want to know what is going on? Are you CNN? No. If I want to know what is going on, I know where to get what is going on. But Paul's person, it was intense in persecuting the church. He went to Jerusalem. You know, Paul gave the orders for uh, this man to be killed. Stephen, he stood there and he was approving. When you read the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, so also approving of his death. Approving of his death. He, he had their clothes. Approving of his death. Hey, thank God for Stevens. And I pray that out of embassy of life and this generation will raise Stevens. Not these enchanters in prayer. Ah, can you imagine what would have happened to the body of Christ and the church global if Stephen had prayed, Lord, don't spare him. Let his father be, this lineage be cut off. Let him die in a road crash. Let him, ah, Lord, Lord, kill him. Kill him. Don't spare him. Don't spare his seed. You and I will not be saved today. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. Father, forgive them. That, that was the prayer that tormented Paul until he got born again. That prayer. Because he could simply not come to think of a man. I have approved that they stone you to death. And in the midst of pain and agony, that word can come out of your mouth. You know, they say when you squeeze an orange, whatever will come out of it is what really is in it. When you are squeezed, what comes out of you is what gives us a revelation of who you are. Say, out for me, when I get angry, uh, then I say things. Listen, even if you are normal, you say, you use the anger to cover so you can say it. It is something you have been wanting to say all along. You just use the anger as a cover up to say it so that we attribute it to anger. Stop deceiving yourself. Apostle Paul. The man was being crucified. Stoned. Then he was asking for, that's a Christian. That's what? Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That is a Christian is a prayer for, not a prayer against. A Christian prays for, not against. That is what we pray for. There are some of you, when I call for prayer meeting, you don't come because you don't like what we pray for here. Yeah. Yeah. 
You want me to kill somebody? Me too, I'm not a, a what do you call, a native doctor. <laughs> yeah, native doctors, they are the ones that go and they give people to and they kill. I'm not one of them. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I give life to people. After you have killed all those people, has your money increased? Have you had peace in your home? Has your marriage been better? See, you should be wise by now. That's Apostle Paul. His calling and conversion. A lot of people think that Apostle Paul was called on the road to Damascus, but that's not it. Do you want to know when he was called? Not. He was called from his mother's womb. From my mother's womb, you have what? Uh huh. My name, good. From his mother's womb. In Galatians chapter 13, verse 14 to 16, he tells something there. For you have heard, somebody say you have heard. In time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure are persecuted what? The church of God and did what? Wasted it. Okay, verse 14. He says, And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of my fathers. All right? Verse 15. But when it pleased God, somebody say, please God. Who did what? Separated me from where? From where? And called me by? That's why I've been telling you that you have been called. That's why I said, in Easter time, come and let us discover your calling. Because you have been called. Some of you, you are waiting for a call. No. The call has come and passed. You are getting late in fulfilling your calling. From his mother's womb. He was minding his own business. Like some of you, the way you are minding your own business. But the call is there. The call is there. And I tell you, until you find, follow and fulfill the calling, you can't say I finished. Those who finished in life, they find, they follow, and they fulfill their calling. Those are the people who finish. Those are the people who finish. If Apostle Paul had not discovered God's calling, found it, Followed it and fulfilled it. He would not have said, I have finished my course. He would have just wasted his life. And I pray that you will not waste your life. I said, you will not waste your life. Listen, he was called from his mother's womb. But his manner of life was contrary from his mother's womb. He was doing something that was opposite his calling. That's for another day. Praise the Lord. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no.